This morning we will be in Acts chapter 17 verses 22 down through 29. So uh, let's go ahead and just pray and ask for the Lord's presence uh, in our midst. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you again. And Father, we thank you for today. We praise you for your goodness to us and your faithfulness. Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would uh, be with us. Please empty us of ourselves. Fill us fresh with the Holy Spirit. May you speak to our hearts. Please give us the understanding and the ability to rightfully divide your word. May you guide us and uh, just give us direction, Lord. We need to desperately hear from you. Uh, We thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Once again, we are in Acts chapter 17, verses 22 down through 29. So I'll begin. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as following, Men of Athens, I noticed that you were very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, To an unknown God, this God whom you worship, without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. He is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth, He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him. Though he is not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. I've entitled this message this morning, Our Limitless God. And uh, I think that's so fitting how, again, our God is, is limitless. What he can do, he is sovereign. He rules over everything. He has no, uh, he's not bound by space and time and his decrees will go forth uh, regardless of what man does or does not try to do. Uh, Today we will again dig deeper into the message that Paul was bringing to the high council here in Athens. Prior to verse 22, we know that this city of Athens has just been overridden with idols. It was plagued with false gods and this is the culture and the climate of what these Athenians lived within and and this was something that grieved Paul's heart deeply when he came on the ship uh to Athens and seen all of these idols uh running rampant in the in the city in the community this was just the culture there we also know that the people of Athens they didn't understand the sacrificial death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ this was a foreign concept to them and they posed Jesus as a foreign god this this was in direct opposition to the false gods that they knew but they didn't understand the true one and living god how this was so relevant for these Athenians to understand eternal life in Jesus Christ the 
the philosophers of the, that day, the Epicureans and the Stoics, they believed that it was Babel, that it was a strange idea, again, something foreign to them. So now uh, this is a first part of, of a two-part message where we're going to actually get into the nuts and bolts of the message that Paul is actually bringing and what he's going to describe to uh, those in Athens He's going to give an accurate picture of who the true and living God is, and he's going to show how their false God was not correct at all. Uh, the first, uh, one of the things that we're going to point out in this first message, again, Paul is going to describe, he's going to paint the picture of who the true and living God is and make it as clear as he can to them who Jesus Christ is and how these Athenians are going to be able to have a right relationship with this God. I have two main points this morning that we'll focus on in this in this brief message. And the first one is this. Being religious is not the goal. It's not the goal of Christianity. It's not, it's not what we are to strive for. And religion will not save any person. Religion, without a real growing intimate relationship with Jesus Christ is worthless. It counts for nothing in God's eyes when we don't have a growing intimate relationship with his son Jesus Christ, but we have religion because uh, religion by itself is actually false religion. There's a quote that I found and I I like it a lot and I think it speaks to this whole idea here and it says, religion is a guy in church thinking about fishing. Relationship is a guy out fishing thinking about God. Uh, do Do you see the clear difference there? Do you see the picture that that anonymous quote paints? If a man is, or a, a man or a woman is sitting in a church service, but their minds and their hearts and their affections are drawn to other things than Jesus Christ, then they are simply just performing a religious ritual, just a religious duty. Like we, you know, we're, we're doing it just for the sake of doing it because we think we're going to be better off by uh, going to a church service or attending a church service. But if a man or woman, uh, for this example in this quote, is sitting in a boat fishing, but, you know, throughout their fishing experience, you know, they're, they're thinking about the Lord. There's, there's, you know, scriptures that the Lord is impressing upon them. There's an interaction between the Holy Spirit and them. Then that is a picture of the relationship that the Bible talks about, the relationship that one is to have with the true and living God. That person has an intimate relationship with God because, again, they are their minds are cognitively thinking about the Lord, looking for Christ, regardless of their location. As it's been said, we know that you know the church building is not the church. The people are the church. And so uh, this is something that these Athenians, they, they did not understand. They, they were like the man who was sitting in the church service, but thinking about fishing. Their, their, their hearts and their minds weren't connected to the true and living God. They were just doing things void of heart. And this is where you get this whole concept or the, the, the premise of them building these shrines to this unknown God. And they were just doing things to try to appease their own consciences, but they didn't have a true understanding of who God really was. But yet they claimed to serve God. And the second main point, This morning is this, Jesus Christ is not bound by things made by human hands. 
we have to understand again a little bit of the backdrop the 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 context of when these verses were were written in the culture and the climate of that time in this time period many images created by human hands were the common way where people would worship God or their idea of who God was. They would carve images or they would cast images made of metal or they would find a way to erect these these idols or these statues and this would be the way that they would worship who they thought God was. Though they were false gods they were worshiping, this is what they would do. And Paul was going to address this wrong way of thinking head on. Uh, he would share how the true and living God doesn't live in temples made by human hands, but he lives within people. The Holy Spirit lives within uh, the body of people. The temple is the body, uh, not a building. Again, we unfortunately, we still see this type of thing around today that's live and active. People will try to conform God to their own image and their own idea of how they want to see the Lord, how it's comforter comforting for them to see and view God and this is an inaccurate view of who God is and how to represent God but we understand as Christians that we cannot manipulate the Lord to be what we want him to be we can't bend and shape him like Plato to suit our needs he's not uh, Aladdin he's not a genie in a bottle to be used and abused in that sort of way he is not the God of your understanding or my understanding. He is the almighty God. He is the king of the universe, the creator of all life. He is Yahweh, the great I am, Lord of all. And so to understand him, we must fall under his precepts and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us who he really is and how he operates. All right, let's go ahead and begin to dissect these verses and I'll start with verses 22 and 23. I'll read them again quickly. And it says, So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as followers. Men of Athens, I notice you are very religious in every way. For as I walked along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, To an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. So as we begin to, to see here, Paul uh, is going to address this, this group of uh, Athenians, the high council, and also these, these, uh, these philosophers. Uh, we know ba background about Paul. He, he was well prepared to speak to this group because he was well versed in the scriptures from an early age, right? Remember, he studied, he studied excuse me, under Gamaliel, and so he was well versed in the scriptures. He understood the law to the T. He, um, you know, before he was converted, he prided himself upon the knowledge that he knew about the scriptures and how he understood it very well and how he could articulate it and communicate it to people. He was he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul had spent much of his time studying and reasoning through the scriptures. And this is in the past, but fast forward to now to where Paul is presently at. Not only does, does Paul have this, this head knowledge and this intellectual understanding of the scriptures, but the most important thing, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was, uh, uh, you know, enabling him and directing him and helping him to rightfully divide the word of God even more to make it not just a head knowledge, but a, a knowledge that would move from his heart to his feet. And obviously this is acted out in how he would interact with these different people groups. Paul was a great communicator of the good news. But why? 
Why, why was he such a great communicator? Again, because of the Holy Spirit, because he was submissive to the Lord and he had the Holy Spirit living within him, giving him the ability to share and conclude what the scriptures uh, meant. And so this is what made him a great speaker, a great orator of the world, uh, of the word, excuse me. Paul also knew his audience. He knew that if these were not Athenians, if these were not Greek philosophers and Greek uh, Gentiles that he was speaking to, if they were Jews, he would have started off by reciting the Greek history because the Greek history for the Jews would have been a common ground, a starting point, something that they would be able to relate to. And then eventually, obviously, he would bring in how it all comes to a head in Jesus Christ. And that would be the climax and the main point of his illustration illustration and of his sermon. Since these were Greeks, they wouldn't relate to that. They wouldn't relate to having Paul uh, preach and teach about uh, the Jewish tr traditions and, and the Old Testament laws. They wouldn't get that. For these Athenians, Paul began by building a case of the true and living God. And this is exactly what he did. These Athenians would relate more to this because they, again, they had their own ideas of who they thought God was. They, uh, they had these, these shrines erected to this God that they named an unknown God. But yet this is how they... Uh, this is how they related to God, even though it was wrong. And so this was a perfect starting point for Paul to relate to these uh, Athenians, these Greeks here. The application for us in regards to this is simply we need to use discernment when we share Christ with people. Obviously, everyone is at a different point, right? Everyone is at a different place in their walk that are saved, and everyone is at a different place that are that are unsaved um, in a position to receive Christ. Some may be more ready than others. So, even uh, so that because people are at a different place, we can't treat everyone the same. We can't treat everyone with this cookie cutter idea of what goes on. We may, for some people, we share, we may share more scripture with some than others simply because they're they're more in a place of understanding than other people. But this is the caveat. The only thing, obviously, right, as Christians, that should never change is the message that we present that the risen Savior is Jesus Christ. And why did Jesus Christ come to the world and lay down his life and take it back up? That is the only point of the message that we share with others that should never change. Paul started off by stating, in all things, you are very religious. This is what he had mentioned to these Athenians. Many people of the time uh, during these Athenians in Greece, uh, in Greek, the Greek times, they noticed that these religious characters, they were, they were thought because they were so religious that they were very noble people. They were very wise people because they held this title of being religious. They, they held authority in those circles and they were looked upon as being very wise. It was almost like how the Pharisees were within the Jewish circles because the, the Pharisees, uh, you know, had uh, access to the scrolls and the scriptures. Uh, they were thought of as, well, they're way more spiritual than me. They must have a very uh, tight connection with the Lord. And I don't have access to the scriptures. And so I don't really, you know, I don't amount to them the same way. But when Paul said this of the Athenians, speaking of they were very religious, he didn't mean it in a positive way. He was actually, um, you know, showing them that they were in the wrong for being religious. Religion can lead people away from God when 
Individuals trust in the things that they do for God instead of trusting in Him alone. Any form of false religion is no good, no matter what it looks like on the exterior. There are there are many uh, that you know have this claim of being religious and being spiritual simply from what the outside exterior looks like. But we know the Bible is clear that uh, we don't want to be whitewashed tombs and we don't want to have our cup, our cup, excuse me, uh, very clean and spotless and shiny on the outside, but on the inside it's dingy and dirty. And this is exactly what Paul was stressing to these Athenians about within their own hearts. And when you look at our own society and our culture today, there are uh, we are regarded as a Christian culture here in North America. This is what many people... Uh, identify with we are Christians because we live in America and yet many of these people still do not know the true and living God an application for us today is this as followers of Jesus Christ we need to proclaim who he is and to make it clear what he did for everyone upon the cross you and I cannot just assume that even religious people who claim to be religious who claim to know God um <clears throat> truly know Jesus and understand the importance of faith in him. These Athenians, they were entrenched. They were drowning in pantheism. They had many gods. They did not have a singular God. They did not believe in the one true and living God. They believed in many gods. And one of these gods that they worshipped was known as the unknown God, as it says in the scriptures. It was inscribed upon uh, the base of this shrine, the unknown God. And uh, there was a shrine, obviously, that was built to this unknown God, and they would sacrifice to this image. Since the Greeks basically had a God for every subject, this unknown God served for anything that they may have forgotten. So, you know, they have a God for fertility. They have a God for, you know, the harvest. They have a God for wealth and, 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 and plentiful and, and, and much. But if there was anything they had forgotten, that's, this is where this unknown God would come into play because he would, uh, or he or she, because they had gods that were male and female, would basically uh, cover over whatever they, they didn't do. They basically were trying to uh, dot their dot their I's and cross their T's, spiritually speaking. And, you know, again, how sad it is today that, that many still are in this position worshiping an unknown God. If you do any study of the Bible, you understand that we are created to worship. We are creatures created. It's in the fabric of who we are. We are naturally going to worship something. The question is who? Who or what are we going to worship? When we don't know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, it's a guarantee that we're going to be worshiping a false unknown God. And we may be in that same predicament that these Athenians were in because they didn't believe that they were in the wrong, but they didn't know Jesus Christ. And so the gods, small g, that they were worshiping were false gods. This is a fun little fact. It's just a little backstory about kind of what went on with this um, <clears throat> with this false god. But the uh, the Athenians they 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 filled the area of of Athens with many statues dedicated to this unknown god. And uh, it's it's been said that 600 years before Paul came here, there was a terrible plague that came upon the city, and someone had come up with this wild idea to basically let loose 
a, a flock of sheep throughout the town, and wherever the sheep lay down, that's where they would sacrifice that sheep to this to this uh, to the god of of whatever shrine was closest to that sheep laying down. And so, if a sheep lay down near any shrine or temple, they sacrificed this sheep to this unknown god for protection and for cleansing. And and this is what they did. So you could see just how outlandish um, these these practices were by these people. And again, when you look at uh, you know different cultures today, still there are many that that sacrifice and 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 lay down and are prostrate before some kind of image or some kind of statue, uh, believing that this this image or this created thing is going to give them freedom uh, from whatever they're struggling with. All right, let's go ahead and move on to uh, Acts chapter uh, seventeen verses twenty four through twenty nine, and it says, speaking of who the true and living God is. And this is Paul speaking. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands cannot serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the world, uh, throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when he should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. Paul spoke about the God who created everything, yet this same God is distinct from his creation. Again, we had I mentioned earlier that God is not bound by space and time. He does not uh, he does not solely live in three dimensions. He can be in the heavenlies and also be present with us here down upon earth. Paul had told them that God was bigger than any temple <clears throat> temple of man that man's hands could build, that the spirit of, of the living God does not dwell in temples made by human hands and could not be represented by anything that man could make with their hands, nor is he worshipped with man's hands. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 tells us, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? So again, we see clearly that it's not about the structure or the building, but it's that us, when we relinquish our control of our lives over to the Lord, when we recognize our depraved state, when we recognize our desperate need to be saved and to be made right before a true and holy God, this is when that supernatural act occurs and the Holy Spirit comes into us to dwell and to live. Instead, remember when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, what was what was Jesus's interaction with the woman at the well? What did he reveal to her about how worship was going to be? Well, it tells us in John chapter four, verses 23 and verses 24. And this is Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And this is so true. When you look at your life today, um, what does it consist of? Again, I spoke about it earlier. We know that 
praise and, and worship of song is one aspect of worshiping the Lord and also is the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God and obviously hearing the Word of God. But but worship is not bound, uh, if I can say this, just like it's not bound by a building. It's also not bound by an hour a day or when you're doing worship songs because that's not, that's, that's not all it entails. Worshiping the Lord is a lifestyle, right? It's a lifestyle of a close connection to the Lord, allowing Him to influence every decision that we make to be under the influence and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So we see uh, worship, it's it's a very broad umbrella with many little subdivisions in it, but nonetheless, worship encompasses every aspect of a believer's life. And again, that is why it's so important and critical that we as Christians and followers of Christ live with a level of integrity that we are upright before the Lord, even when no one is looking. It's good to, it's, 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 we could put our best foot, what we think is our best foot forward in front of people, but we could be a totally different way when we're alone. And that's not a good thing at all. Um, remember that, uh, remember Genesis one, chapter one, I truly believe that Paul was stating this when he was mentioning this to these Athenians in the beginning, what happened in the beginning? Well, God, the creator, he created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. He created everything in existence, the universe, all of this. This view of the world is very different from what the Epicurean uh, philosophers emphasize because they emphasize that life is just a chance combination of atoms coming together. And they had, uh, you know, the, the Stoics believed in a virtual view of, of, the, of a pantheistic view, meaning they didn't believe in one God. Again, they believed in so many different gods. They had a God for every single thing that could ever be imagined. And so this was a totally different viewpoint than Genesis 1-1 that states the true and living God in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. Um, these These philosophers... Uh, of this day, they believed in the random chance again of atoms coming together. No rhyme or reason, just life just kind of happened. There was a bang, and all of a sudden, we're here. Uh, almost uh, in the same line of the law of thermodynamics that all of a sudden if something happens again and again over time that eventually it's going to hit the perfect point and everything's going to work out perfectly. This is actually the same train train of thought that many men and women and people uh, of, of knowledgeable places have adopted this idea. It's basically the evolutionary theory. Um, and, and again, it's been said that if someone struggles with the very first words of Scripture in the beginning, if, if we cannot come to terms with that God created everything in what is known as the beginning, then we're going to struggle with everything else that's going to come after that within the pages of Scripture. Paul recognized that these philosophers had to change their idea about who they thought God was. They had to move from their own personal opinions to an understanding of who God is according to what he tells us about himself within scriptures, within the Bible. And so the application for us this morning is this. We need to see God for who he truly is, not for who we want to see him as or not for who we want him to be. He is the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, not a God of our own creation, able to be manipulated to fit our desires. We know next that it says in this portion of scripture here, it says from one man, God created all the nations throughout the whole earth. Paul was basically telling these Athenians that every human had descended from the line of Adam through Noah and that there is one true God who created all of us who we are ultimately all accountable to. 
And since God has created all of us, again, in, in this portion of Scripture, it says that we should seek the Lord, understanding that He is not far from us. Remember, um, and especially speaking of that, the Lord is not far from us, right? Whenever we, uh, uh, you know, will unfortunately stumble, um, you know, how far is God? He's He's near to us. All we have to do is repent, you know, and it's not necessarily an emotion, but it's a it's asking for a change of mind, a change of heart to to go the opposite direction. Remember that the Lord is <clears throat> constantly pursuing you and me, and and unbelievers, though His creation, He's constantly pursuing us so much that He gave His only begotten Son as a ransom for many. All Jesus Christ wants is for us to thrive in Him, to have a true intimate relationship with Him. This is the only way that you and I can truly be fulfilled, not only in the next life, in the forever after, but for here as well upon earth. The question is, or excuse me, this is what we were created for. We were created to have an intimate relationship with the true and living God. But there are many times when we are the ones who move away. We are the ones who distance ourselves from the Lord, not the other way around. He always is trying to get closer to us, but we have to receive that closeness and not push him away. Amen. He is transcendent, close to his creation, not bound again by space and time. The Lord is sovereign and in control over all things. In verse 28, Paul quotes some of the uh, he, he quotes some of the these Athenian poets saying we are his offspring. Now, again, remember, Paul's whole emphasis obviously is on Christ, and he also wants to, 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 to draw a common ground between him and his listeners. And so he quoted them, uh, specifically these words, to reflect biblical truth and to use their own analogy, their own, their own understanding in this point to bridge the gap between him and what, who he represents, the true and living God, in this pagan audience. Uh, the question for us this morning is, how how do we find ourselves engaging with people whom we don't know? How do we relate to those that we may not necessarily relate to, right? We're called to witness. We're called to share the truth of God. But what if we come across an individual or people that we're like, man, I don't have anything. I don't relate at all to you. I don't know how I'm I, I'm able to, you know, share the truth of Christ with you because it just seems like we don't have much common ground do we in those instances do we try to find common ground do we do we uh, move like Paul and find how can we relate to these individuals and 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 share you know begin there um, I saw this uh, you know this episode of uh, the first responders uh, the other night and there was a, a woman that was on um, you know on on a freeway ledge and she was about to you know jump off and commit suicide and the first responders the police you know the police officer was cautiously coming to her but uh you know he was trying to find common ground and how he could um you know build a rapport with this woman to hopefully get her off of uh you know, get her off of the bridge. And um, th though there wasn't much common ground to be found with the common ground he did have, it stalled enough time for another, another officer to actually come in and lunge and kind of, you know, take her down off of that bridge because she was going to jump. But nonetheless, again, we just see even in, in that example um, that how, you know, finding common ground with someone that we don't know is very important to open up the door to share the gospel with others. Next, we see that Paul told them out of 
our responsibility to God that we are his offspring. Since we are his offspring, meaning that God has created us, we have to have the right idea about who God is, and therefore we must reject wrong ideas. And this specifically, what this context is speaking of, is about that God, uh, excuse me, that gold, silver, and stone could not represent God. Now, these Athenians, they had proven that their altar, they had proven by the altar inscription, remember, the, sh- the shrines that they created to this, this, this God who they called the unknown God, this proved that they had an ignorance about who the true and living God was because they didn't really understand that you cannot create something in your own, in your own idea and, and, and label that as God. You have to come to terms with who God is, who he reveals himself as in the Holy Scriptures, and from that, that's what we base our understanding of who God is. The application for us this morning is this. We as well need to have the proper understanding of who God Almighty is and who Jesus Christ is. The reality is we can only give to others what we have ourselves. If we don't have a true uh, relationship with the Lord, yes, we can witness, yes, we can share, but how much more effective would the Holy Spirit work through any individual or group of people who are thriving in Christ, who are growing in Christ, who are finding and drawing all of their strength from Him? Today, we must ask ourselves, do we have a correct understanding of who God is? Is Jesus Christ alive and well in your life and my life today? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? Is he your best friend? Or is he real, but he's a distant God of the Bible and we cannot, you know, relate to him in present day terms because we only see him in the pages of scripture, um, We should be those that see him actively moving within our midst, within our lives on a daily basis. Let us let us settle the matter once and for all that Jesus Christ is the one and true and living God. So we can be truly filled with joy and peace and find our identity in him. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord God, I just thank you again just for the timeliness of your word. Father, the fact that. Uh, you do not operate by by what man creates to to honor you in the form of you know uh, structures or, or or images, Lord, but that you live and dwell in the hearts of your people, of those who would see it fit to recognize themselves as sinners and submit themselves before you, asking for forgiveness. Lord, I, I pray that that would be us today, Lord, that we would recognize that we're in desperate need of you. Lord, and that we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We want to know you more. We want to have a deeper, closer relationship with you. Lord, would you please help us, Lord, to to thrive in that place of having a relationship with you and, and to grow in it, Lord, and to know that you hold all things in your hands and in control and that we don't have to live in fear, that we we are given um, strength and boldness in the Holy Spirit to, to do what it is you call us to do. So, Father, would you please uh, make real your word to us, Lord, and would you give us the opportunity and the ability to live out and apply uh, your scripture to our lives. And Father, I do pray for anyone who uh, does not know you, Lord, anyone who is struggling or on the fence with uh, you know, submitting to you and giving their life over to you, that they would, uh, again, settle the matter once and for all today, that they would submit to you, ask for forgiveness, and receive your son Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. Father, I thank you and I praise you. I pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.